Good evening. Um, tonight we have a special class. It's not a class on the Parsha, but it is Rosh Chodesh Ba'ov, and um, we have to do whatever we can to bring Mashiach, because we don't want to be in exile anymore. We've long overstayed our stay over here. So this is a fascinating discourse about the mitzvah of appointing a king. And uh, the deeper meaning of King David, David HaMelech's kingdom, how that, how that differs from all the other kings that the Jewish people had, and how the ultimate kingdom of King Mashiach is even way beyond that. Um, we know that Mashiach is born on Tisha B'Av. Uh, the month of Av is a very, very powerful month, especially, especially the, the later we go into the exile, the closer we get to the redemption, the more the month of Av stops to be about destruction and sadness, and the more it becomes about hope and anticipation and ultimately joy as we make all the effort we can to flip the month over from sadness to happiness. So that's what we're going to do tonight by studying a mitzvah uh, in the Sefer Derech Mitzvah Secha, which is a book from the third Chabad Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek, and uh, here he explores the dynamics of that mitzvah. Okay, it says, Limnois Melech Mi Yisrael. It's a commandment. He's quoting from <coughs> the book of Chinuch. The book of Chinuch is a Sefer which um, has a short description, or maybe not even a short description, a little bit of a longer description, of every mitzvah in the Torah, like what the mitzvah is, and it gives you some details about the mitzvah. Um, so he's quoting now from the Chinuch. Limnois Melech Mi Yisrael, it is a mitzvah to appoint a king. Shanamar, as it says, Saim Tasim Alecha Melech, you should appoint upon yourself a king. Um, um, we need to understand. Why did Shmuel, Samuel, get angry at, at the Jewish people when they requested a king? It says that in the, in the, prophet, the prophet, it says that Shaul was very offended that they had requested a king. And uh, he was, and 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 then and then and he even in the end, of course, he he appoints a king, King Shaul, Shaul Amelach Saul, Saul, becomes the king over the Jewish people. But um, Samuel is upset. Shmuel is upset. So we need to understand what's wrong with them requesting a king. If that's a mitzvah, it's a commandment that they should when they come into the land of Israel that they should appoint a king. Ve'gam Hashem Yisbarach Amaloi and Hashem actually agreed to Shmuel Hanavi taking offense in this. And Hashem says, not only did they reject you, but they rejected me. Implying that it's not a good thing that they wanted a king. What is this great anger? This is Hashem's mitzvah. Hashem himself gave this commandment. So they're listening. Why? The sages say, Three commandments the Jewish people were commanded when they came into the land. And one of them is to appoint for them. To appoint a king. Now, so in order to understand this, so let's really dig deep and understand what is the true reason why we need to have a king. We should have a king. 
And we're living in a world where a king is a very foreign idea. Very, very far. And we're not used to the concept, and many people are very intimidated by it. So we need to understand, because we're always terrified to give full and absolute authority and control to a human being. A human being that has a heart that sometimes is drawn to not the best things. So we're afraid that this person will take advantage and will rule uh, whatever, like we've seen in history. How many tyrants came and brought upon the worst upon their people because they had full control and no one can stop them. So we're afraid. So we instituted this whole idea of a, dem- of a democracy. And we think that's the best way of governing. But is it really the best way of governing? Uh, the governing of a democracy. We're dependent on the people and on the, on the votes and on the masses. And if the masses are pretty stupid, I should say simple, then you end up with a country that uh, can't uh, know, doesn't know what it's doing. So right, you see that. So the world, like, it, it, you can bring, you can take uh, the most uh, incredible uh, um, country and nation and everything, and then run it down the uh, down down the the, the drain, um, destroy it, country. Right. So is it? But so there is a king. So there's a mitzvah to have a king. But is a Jewish king the same like a Gentile king? You just need a good leader. Or is there something much deeper than that? So this is what he's coming to explain. With appointing a king. Who, who, who Through the king, with the king. Excuse me. And through the king. The king enables the Jewish people to be surrendered to God. Through the king, the, Jew, the person, people are nullified to Hashem. Because we all need to be submissive to Hashem. We have to be surrendered. And the nature of a person is to be, not have bittel, not be surrendered. A human being likes to have it his or her way. So to concede and, and be subservient to someone else is not our nature. We don't want to do that. Um, now, we're supposed to have that deep subservience and surrender to Hashem, to do what God wants us to do. Problem is that God is not something that we can touch, feel, smell, and hear. Um, and even though we are very strongly convinced in God's existence, that's because of our sixth sense called faith, which is a sense that we have in our soul, that we sense the reality of God, a deep, deep conviction. We also can reach an understanding intellectually that there must be a creator that created everything. So we can conv- be convinced and absolutely certain in the existence of a God, yet God remains a concept. And it's very hard to overcome your ego with a concept. God remains distant. Now, if you are a super, super, super hypersensitive soul, a very powerful soul, where you are 90% spirit and only 10% matter, there are people like that that are very spiritual, and to them, the realm of the spiritual is more real than the, what is tangible and physical. So them, they can have a perfect surrender to God. That's not a problem. And be submissive, because God is like a very, very real, tangible reality. But most of us that are 95% physical and maybe 5% spiritual, which means our sense of spirituality is very, very, very weak and very little, 
And therefore God is, and God as a king and as a ruler is not such a tangible thing that we feel as reality. So we have a hard time submitting ourselves to Hashem. Like we find that it's not easy to follow the code of Jewish law. It's easy to be inspired once in a while. But day to day follow everything that the Torah asks us to do. And not to do what the Torah says not to do. And even what the rabbis say not to do. It's pretty tough. And uh, so therefore, we have a hard time in submission. So that's where the king came into play. What the, sing, what the king did was, he, he was a human ruler. A human being that had absolute authority and rulership. And he commanded respect and awe. And when you saw the king, your heart swelled with, of course, with respect, awe, and also fear. And that enabled, and that brought, and that made you be surrendered of, you don't, you know, you know, I'm not, I don't live, I, I don't do my thing, I'm a subject of the king, and I do what the king wants. It caused a surrendering and a submission to the king. Now, if it's a Jewish king and a holy king, the king is not a king on his own behalf, representing himself on the throne. The king is a channel for God's kingship. Because the king, the king, a Jewish king, had the highest, highest, highest. Now, not all good Jewish kings were righteous. We read a lot of kings that were corrupt. But we're talking about the, the first kings that the Jews had. King Saul, King David, David HaMelech, Shlomo HaMelech. They were, they were totally and absolutely nullified to God. They were egoless. They, 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 were, they were like completely nullified to Hashem. And therefore, through them, God's attribute of kingship was invested in them. So when they were ruling, it wasn't them ruling, it was God ruling through them. So when you were surrendered to them, you were really surrendered to God. And that's how all the Jewish people would be able to be, even simple people, can be surrendered to Hashem and have the right bittle, have the connection to God. We learned in the other discourse two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that a person can have all the inspiration in the world and all the kavanot. Kavanot means all the deep mystical intentions. But if I'm only doing a mitzvah because I'm inspired, because it makes sense to me, and I'm lacking the most fundamental ingredient, which is, I'm a servant of God. And if God says so, I comply because I have to comply. Because he's my creator. He created me, and I belong to him. He's my boss. If I'm lacking that, then the mitzvah is lacking any kind of value. Even you can have all the reasons that, that you can come up with why the mitzvah is a beautiful thing. But if you're doing it only because you think it's right, and you think it's good, and this makes sense to you, then you're not in a connection to God. To be connected to God, it requires I am submitting myself I am doing it not because I feel like it, not because I want to, because I almost feel like I have no choice. I must do it because my God, my Creator, is telling me to do so. Therefore, a bittle is the most... Without that, we don't begin to be in a relationship with God. But as we said earlier, bittle is not an easy thing for a person to achieve, especially to a being that is so, that is so, um, so lofty and so... In, untangible, because God is untangible, and therefore outside of our sense, sensory plane. 
So if we don't feel him, it's very hard to... We can be once in a while, be suddenly filled with a strong, powerful sense of God, but it wears off. And then we become just aware of the world and not aware of the Creator. And the awareness of the world um, pumps our ego. It, it, it makes us feel ourselves and our own accomplishments and how great we are and the like. And that is an interference with our bittle. So that's why he's going to explain it was absolutely necessary to have a king. Because without, basically that gave God's kingdom, kingship, a tangible existence in this world that ordinary people can relate to. Via their surrender to the king, they are really being surrendered to God. And he explains like this. So, the, Because all Jews needed to be surrendered to the king. And obey his commandment. And everything that he decrees. This should be the rule of the king. Now the king himself is nullified to God. The king himself is nullified to Hashem. And like King David says, If I have not been silent or and completely mute, muted by God's presence. David Amelech, King David is so sharply aware of Hashem, silenced. His nullification to God reached and touched him so deeply in his heart. Even physically, he wasn't able to pick his eyes up. Literally. David Amalek always had his eyes down. He was never able to raise his eyes because God was so powerful. He felt ashamed. He felt tiny. He felt small. He felt so insignificant. He was never able to feel any kind of, any kind of arrogance or something like that or raising his heart up. Even to feel himself as a somebody, the davar or a thing, the davar man, an entity. He was so, so so surrendered, so abnegated to God that he was like a stone. That's what he says, I am like a stone, I'm like a domain, I'm like an inanimate object. I, I'm expression, expressionless, an ex, expressionless, exp, expressionless, that's what it is. I'm expressionless, King David says. I can't express myself. Because when a person is in awe of something or somebody, then you're silent. You can't speak. You have no expression. Because in order to express, you have to be, I am, this is my opinion, this is my thoughts, these are my comments, you have a certain sense of beingness. David had no, so he was expressed. So if he did speak, it was because he was conveying something of God, not of his own. He doesn't have a movement. He can't even move. And this was, this was primarily by a king. The reason why he's called a king he was a chariot for God's attribute of kingdom. That Hashem's at, Hashem's has ten, there's ten sefiro, ten attributes. Hashem's attribute of sovereignty and of kingship was enclosed in King David's neshama, and through that he reigned over the over over the people. Lemidas machusai as is in the world of Atzilus. The Yeduad is known, the Piddish Markava, Ubchenasabitl. What does it mean to be a chariot? Chariot means 
bittel, nullification. Just like a chariot. Think of a, of a chariot, uh, a carriage. Or a carriage, a chariot is really a carriage tied to a horse. Um, harnessed to a horse. And we know that the horse and buggy are a vehicle to the rider. It's the person who owns the horse and buggy that is going to direct it wherever. If you see just a horse and a buddy, buggy just rolling down the street, that never happens. I mean, a horse is only, you know, it's going so You know it's a, it's a carriage that's traveling somewhere. It doesn't have its own opinion. The horse doesn't have its opinions about where we're going. It's the, unless the coachman fell asleep, but generally it's not that. It's constantly just following wherever the rider wants it to go. King David, he is the carriage. That's all that he is. He's like the horse and carriage. And wherever God's kingship wants to go, God as a king wants to do, David HaMelech does that. It wasn't about himself. It wasn't about his honor. It wasn't about his power. It was about God's power. Now since the king is nullified to the heavenly kingdom, the Yisrael and the Jewish people are nullified to the king, Hadinimsa comes out by with him Valyada and through him Hayisrael Betalim Lulakusi is Barach. The Jews are nullified to God. And this is the service of the king all the time. He facilitates that with him and through him, all the people and the masses should be able to surrender to God. Al Yadeshahu Batal, he is nullified to Hashem. And they're nullified to him. Do you know when we daven Shemona Esrei, when we do the Amida, we bow down two times in the beginning, two times in the end. When a king prayed, he would bow down when he says Baruch, and he, he would remain in that bowed position until he would complete the, the Amida. He was not allowed to lift himself up. They must have had. Uh, quite a lot of uh, um, therapy or massages for their back to be able to stand that way for as long as they stood uh, three times a day. When they prayed, they had to be in the in the down in the bowed position the entire time. Um, and the reason for that is, but ordinary people don't. We do a little bow, and the answer is, the king needs more bittel than everybody else, more surrender than anybody else. Because he, if not, has more ego. He would have more ego because it's all. God forbid to rule if it's not if it's not about God and it's about you, then it's so he doesn't have any of that. Everything, his entire power and dominion over the people, is Hashem's dominion. Now there's another simple reason for appointing a king. That he should simply conduct the affairs of the people. This is like a more psychological, deeper meaning. But then there's just a simple meaning. That the king has to, you need a leader that is going to bring it all together. Because if there's no government, as the sages say, if, they don't, if people don't fear, fear the, the governing power, everybody would swallow each other. People would swallow each other alive. So in order that people should not swallow each other alive, we need to have a king. And the king, Bemishpat, with his, with his with law, the king, by instituting the law, he fortifies, he creates a civilization, to, to ensure that those that are righteous 
will be will be taken care of, and to punish the wicked. Or else the world will the place will become turned into a jungle. And that's why we need to have a king. Now these two um, intentions in appointing a king. According to these explanations that we just said before, it's very, very important, highly crucial that we have a king. But um, these, this appointment of a king is not doesn't have any um, is not applicable to to um, the higher class of people. It is applicable to the uh, to the masses, to the simple people, the scholars, and the great the great. Uh, educated uh, uh, elite, if you say, of society would not need the king. Both reasons don't apply. Hopefully these people are, have morality and ethics on their own and they don't need the fear of the government to hold them back from not stealing, plundering, or doing anything else because they're just decent, good people, number one. Especially, we're talking about Talmud and people that are scholars in Torah. So they have a certain refinement. So they wouldn't behave like animals. So you don't need a king, they don't need the fear element of the king. They also don't need the king to actualize and to, or to facilitate the bittel, that they should have bittel Tashem, because they have their own either innate or acquired um, sense of God, of godliness and of Hashem's kingship that they can surrender themselves to Hashem directly. They don't need a king. They have a direct Hashem. They can, they can, they can bring themselves to a bittel, to a surrender, and compliance with Hashem's will without having to have a king. We said before the reason you need to have a king because most people find that God is a little too abstract for them that it should be real enough that they should have lived their lives with bittel, with nullification to God. So they need to have a king. King is made out of flesh and blood. So he's tangible. He's a person we can see. We can see his power. So we're, we're out of our awe and fear of him. We surrender to him. We get surrendered to Hashem. But that's for the ordinary people. But those with higher nishamas. Especially when he says over here, he doesn't mean only people that study more Torah. He also means people that are of a higher spiritual, as we mentioned earlier, a higher spiritual stature, that have a greater and a sharper spiritual awareness. So these people can have their bittel to Hashem on their own. Because he begins to explain his question. In Jewish souls, there's two types of souls. Number one, those that are not scholarly. They are empty from Torah and wisdom. But even though they might not be major learned, learned, learned people, but yet, they're still filled with mitzvahs. Simple people, they love doing a mitzvah. And they're very careful to conduct their lives according to what the Torah says, in turning away from evil and doing good. You have lots of people that are very not, um, they're not educated, but they always, anything they do, they always ask the rabbi. They want to do the right thing all the time. And if something is wrong, they run away from it. And when something is right, they do it with all their heart. Sometimes you find that precisely the more simple people have a greater diligence in the mitzvahs than even the scholars. Just because of their simplicity, they take everything so to heart and so seriously. That's also true. Even in the most minor detail of what the sages say, if they only hear something like that, yeah. especially, you know, this, what he's talking about now, 
Sadly, to a certain degree, we lost those Yidden. This was the Yidden, this, the average Jews who lived 100 years ago in the Shtetlach. So many of them, just they were so ignorant, they didn't know. But they were so, they had so much Yerashamai and fear of God. And every mitzvah that was so like precious to them. And, and they. But he says, this that they're not scholarly, you can blame it on circumstances. You can blame it on a few circumstances. Some of them just didn't have a chance to get an education. They were so poor, and where they were orphans, or whatever it was. And they, they couldn't go to yeshiva. They didn't have anybody to teach them. So they just grew up, um, you know, they just grew up without any education. Or you can blame it on the fact that they just, you know, were lacking the brains, the, 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 the ability to study and to learn. That's true. But the Rebbe adds to it a spiritual dimension. He says because of it, most of the time it's deeper than that. It's, it's a soul issue. It's not, a, it's not just a um, circumstantial, physical situation or a psychological element. It goes deeper. It roots into the neshama. He says because mitzad mezeg etchunas shorshon. It's because of the chemistry and the, uh, on the, and the character of shorshon shalomayla where their soul emanates above which their spiritual source is a place that's not really cut out for wisdom. It's cut out for other things, for love, for sincerity, for simplicity, but not necessarily for, for understanding. It's not, their neshama is not fitting to receive inside. That's not what they're meant to be. And quite on the contrary, they could not serve Hashem the way Hashem is taking pleasure of them in their service, had they had the sophistication to be able to study and to learn, they would not be able to supply Hashem with that pleasure that Hashem gets from the simplicity of a simple Jew. So, you know, there's two types of pleasures. There's this pleasure from the sophistication, and then there's this pleasure from the just honesty and simplicity and wholeheartedness that the simple didn't have. So quite in the country, Hashem had to make them with neshamas that are not receptive of knowledge, and they're better off not knowing and not understanding. But for Hashem gets pleasure from them by coming to the shir and not understanding a word. And yet they're coming. And they're sitting. And they're absorbing. And they're delighted. They're just delighted from the fact that Torah is being studied even though they don't understand the word. And they're even happier to be in the shir than anybody else because they're at the shir and Torah is being studied. It's just evolving. Right? So you have such Jews. Their Indian is to just do action. Like we see people, like we see literally, our Jews. You find that there are many people that learn by a teacher, they go to school. And as soon as they leave yeshiva, because it used to be, of course, everybody went to cheder, everybody went to yeshiva like today. But then there are the people who remain learning and studying. And there are those that immediately they forsake the Torah. They even forgot what they learned. As if they never learned. They're engaged in worldly affairs. Yet they're doing mitzvahs. Mitzvahs are very special for them. That's one type of soul. These are one type of soul. It's a soul in you. And then there's another type in the Shamas. And Hashamas Hagavayas, these are the higher souls. They are scholars. Bali Torah, these are great Torah, 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 learned, learned people of Torah. Hamaskilim Hashem that apprehend and understand the wisdom of God, 
And in God's Torah, they diligently study day and night. According to both explanations we said earlier, we find so according to both explanations of why we need a king, we can understand why the simple, that it's for the simple folk, the simple people, they need atzrichim lamelech. They're the ones who need the king. Shayana goisim karo, that he should lead them appropriately. Apitama base, according to the second reason, um, for sure. Because they need someone who they're scared of, or else they're going to be, you know, people are going to misbehave. But people who Torah is their occupation. And on his own he knows what is permitted and what is forbidden. And everything is clear to him, like the sun. It's such clarity. And we don't even have to say that for sure the person is a tzaddik, meaning that he... He's not just someone who learns, but he observes what he learns. And therefore, he's not going to do intentionally and act like a whatever. We can generally, it's not always, but generally a person who is a scholar is also a God-fearing person. So therefore, why does he need to have a king, a governor, you know, a king that, you know, that the threat of the police, that they're going to come and they're going to arrest him? He doesn't need a king. Raklanavi, he needs a prophet that we do need, a prophet we need, because we need to know when God wants to communicate something. So that 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 he can be a Talmud Chacham, but he can't communicate with God. So you need a prophet, but you don't need a Melech. The Shayfet, you need a, you, you need a, you need a judge, because sometimes you do have a conflict with someone. You need to go to the you need to go to the judge to judge the case. Kishmuel, like Shmuel, and the like. That's according to the second reason that we said before. That it's because just to keep, to keep civilization in check. But also according to the first explanation, this that the king brings that is also only applicable to those that are not scholars. They are very, very much a somebody, a something. Lamaila above. Meaning, we said earlier that there are neshamas that are not yet, that are in heaven, they're not receptive of wisdom. And if you're not receptive of divine wisdom, then you don't have such a sharp sense of God, then who do you sense? You sense yourself. So those souls are more self-aware, even the neshamas. Even the neshamas, before they come down, they're more self-aware and self, and self, um, self not self-centered, but a soul can't be self-centered, but more more bent inward to themselves. And as a result of that, they have a far more sense of I want, I am, and therefore lacking in bittel. Okay, bittel is... That's why they're not a Talmud Chacham, because Chachma is really the power of nullification. Wisdom. We learned many times. Chachma stands for the acronym. Chachma which means wisdom. Of two words. Koachma, the power of nullification. The power to surrender. Chachma is the nullification. And therefore, any person who is arrogant, shaita is a fool. Can't, be, can't have wisdom and be arrogant, real wisdom and be arrogant, because the wisdom brings bittal. 
Chamchachma cannot evolve yeshus, which means self-importance. Chachma doesn't allow the self-importance. But rather only the bitl. And therefore those people, they need a king, that they should be bottle bitl ayesh. Because again, to God themselves, they don't have the bitl. Because they have too much, uh, there's too much of something that they should have bitl. Um, so they need to come to this nullification, to this surrender, because they see a physical king, so they will be they will be bottled to the physical king, and via him they'll be bottled to Hashem. Kamai like it says, Saim Tasim Alech You should place upon yourself a king. Because the king, as we said earlier, he is surrendered to God. And when the people are surrendered to the king, so they will be surrendered to God. But the higher souls, which are called scholars, they are nullified in their root, their source. They are have no sense. They have so so such a powerful awareness of God that they they their their neshamas are, don't even know that they exist. They don't have any self awareness. From because of their root above, sages say, what is called the wise man? Since they they're, they're, since the talmidei chachamim, they're wise. The sages say, what's a wise man? Haroya esanoila, the one that can see what is being, what is, what is going to come out. Sages say in Pirkei what is a wise man? The one who sees. See, people generally, most people act based on the instant consequences of their action. You know, people look, like, what is this going to do to me today, tomorrow? Now, people don't think necessarily what's going to happen down the road. A smart person is someone who can make judgment now based on the consequences that are going to happen in a week, a month, a year, or ten years from now. Generally, a wise person can think ahead. That's a simple meaning of the one that can see that which isn't here yet, but is going to be born out of this in the future. However, the Alter Rebbe has a, a different pirish. Aroya, the one that can visualize Esanoilad. He can visualize the cosmic birth of all of existence every second. The one that can actually see it, Mamash with his, like, as if he's looking at it, how existence is emerging from non-existence. How he, this human being, feels and sees how in essence I don't exist at all. And I'm only being willed into existence at this very second. So how can I be full of ego? How can I be into myself if I don't even exist a second ago and I only exist in this second because of this supreme powerful being that's being me into beingness then I have to serve him not me who am I to think about what am I I'm not here for myself so when someone can see this and visualize this that's the whole point even someone who's not a Talmud Chacham could maybe comprehend it but it's not enough to comprehend again in order for it to impact you you have to really be feel it and sense it in a strong way which requires more than comprehension. It's as if you're seeing it. So, Chachm is the vision. He sees how he's being born from nothing to something. And God is renewing every day the work of creation. And these special, so these are very high neshamas who see it. 
And these higher neshamis are called brothers and friends of God. You know in the davening we say, in the end of the davening every day, the Pasuk says, Laman, a famous song on it, Laman Achai Verei, for the sake of my brothers and friends. So who's the one speaking? Who is saying for the sake of my brothers and friends? God is the one who's saying it. And who are his brothers? These are the Nishamas, the souls. Who are his friends? These are the souls. They're called brothers and friends, and they're also called children. Now, the other souls that we spoke about earlier, the inferior souls, that have a less spiritual capacity and consciousness, those that are more, more, more self-aware, those neshamas are called servants. We all, everybody's familiar with Rosh Hashanah. When we pray, we say to God, if we're like children, if we're like servants, im kibanim, im ka'avadim. Anyway, please forgive us. Im kibanim, im, you should have mercy on us. Im kibanim, im ka'avadim. So what does it mean deeper? If we are in the category of souls that are considered children, with super hyper-sensitivity, strong sensitivity of God, and those that are much less spiritual in tune, both neshamas, right? Um, uh, these are the two types of souls. So he's asking the question, why would type A neshamas, the souls that are tamid and that have such a strong awareness of God, why do they need a king? And that's what the people of uh, Vilna and the people of Brod, and the people of, um, who else? Uh, there was the people of, uh, what city was I looking for? No, and no, I'm looking for the real um, great scholars in, 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 in Lithuania. There was Vilna, there was, uh, no, I was looking for the other city, I don't know why. I, what? Uh, those are smaller cities. I'm looking for the big one. I'm looking for the big... I forgot. Right now, it's not coming to me. Um, anyways. No, no, no. It's not coming. Anyways. They argued the, this... I mean, not... They didn't argue this verbally, but this is what they felt. Like, what's the whole idea of the tzaddik? We have our own connection to God. We're scholars. We have deep understanding. We don't need the tzaddik, which is somehow kind of a medium through which one becomes aware and connected to Hashem. We don't need that. So similar to that, he's asking that question. They're called children. They don't need a king. That they should be nullified through the king. A, a, they're surrendering their egos. Like a, king, like a servant in front of a king. They're nullified on their own. And their nullification is not nullification of an ego. They don't even have an ego to begin with. They have a higher bitl. They have a bitl that's higher than bitl ayash because they just don't even know that they are, meaning they don't sense their, themselves in a strong way that they should have to have a bitl. And that's why he says these neshamas are even higher than angels. The, our angels do have a king. Malachim also have somewhat of a somethingness to them. Remember, we learned a few classes this year that Malachim have bodies. So they are also a something. Like the archangel Michael and Gabriel, even though they stand in a constant love and fear of God, but nevertheless, 
There still is something onto themselves. Yare Hashem, they fear God. Ve'yahavai, and they love Him. Now, even though they're in a constant state of love of Hashem and fear of Hashem, but the very fact that they are feeling themselves very much because they say, I love God. To be able to love God, they have to feel that I love, or I fear. And Hasidus says very much that all the time that loving is already an indication that there is some kind of a mitzvah. Moshe Rabbeinu was beyond love. doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that Moshe loved God. Because Moshe was so egoless, he was so identityless that he didn't even know that, there is some, that he's there to love. Which is a channel, just a conduit. So he says, the Malachim, they have some yeshes. Alken yeshalei melech, they too need to have a king. To help them with the bitl. Masha Kasev, this is what it says. Malchuscha, malchus kalilamim. Who are, the, who are the angels bottled to? Who is their king? Their king is God, the Shechina. They are bottled to Hashem. And so too, now he says, those are the lower kind of neshamis, those that are not scholars. They are called neshamis, the souls of Bria, Yetzirah, and Asiya, of the three nether worlds, the three lower worlds. But the higher souls, like the neshama of Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, and the like, really high souls, like Rajbi, Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, Hem bebchenas banim, they are considered children. Them lemailam bebchenas geder kabbalas hamelech. They're they're even beyond ever being like accepting God as a king, because to them God is the only reality. There's no one even for Him to be a king over. Who is He a king over? There's nothing but Him. And even if they exist, they exist only as children as God. Children is like the limbs of the Father. They don't really have much of an identity. And it definitely would never occur to them to, miss, to, to, to disobey or to go do their own thing. It doesn't exist in them. Shalomat They're higher than the acceptance of a king. That's only someone who's, who's a servant. Someone who has a separate consciousness. Because even over a thousand children, a father is not called a king. A father is only called, you, you can't be a king over children, even if you have a lot of children. Because your children are still part of you. To be a king, you need, peop- you need strangers, you need people that are not you that you are ruling over. And therefore, these neshamas, they, 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 they are, these souls are like, 95% of the time, they don't even know they are. And then for once in a while, they like peek into like some kind of a, of a somethingness of something, and then they dissolve again. Because uh, these neshamis are from the world of atzilas, mamish, which in that world is domin- is only a lakus. We know there are four worlds: the world of emanation, the world of creation, and the world of formation, and the world of, of culmination or completion. Um, the world of action, which is our world, and these neshamis they're still rooted in the world of atzilas, which is a world where the only that where Hashem is and there's none but Him. It's all a projection of God. And that's what the world is conscious of. And that level of existence, there's a consciousness that there's nothing but Hashem. I am Bir Beis Neshamis Elo Mitzvah Mem Beis Perek Beis. Look in the explanation of these types of souls. So, so they're general two souls, two types of souls. Some that come from Atzilas, which as we said before, super sensitive and one with God, and those that are separated. That's why Shmuel did not want to appoint a king because Shmuel knew that his generation was capable of being without a king. They didn't need the medium. They had a higher spiritual capacity. 
They, were, they had a bittel that's deeper than the bittel of, of a servant to a king. Their nullification was one of, of what we call bittel b'metzias. You just, you just don't even know that you're existing because you're so, you're so submerged in the consciousness of God. Um, because he wanted them all to be on this higher level. Then they don't need a physical king of flesh and blood. And that's why we say, Our father, our king. What does it mean, our father, our king? We can relate to God on two levels. If we're on a higher level, then he's our father. If we're on a lower level, he's our king. Shmuel wanted them all to be on a level where God is their father. And that's why we say, when we say, Avinu Malkeinu, we say, Avinu Malkeinu, Chatanu Lefanecha, and Hainu Vechetanem Shkagal Malkeinu, Oimrim Pashanu. Where do we say that? Oh, by Slach Lanu, take a look. We say, Slach Lanu Avinu, forgive us our father, Ki Chatanu, because we sinned, we mistakenly sinned. Machal Lanu Malkeinu, um, forgive us, our king, because we, we rebelled. So you see, one, in, one, in the first half we were referring to God as Avinu, the second half we were referring to him as Malkeinu. And we see that by Avinu, that means if we're on a higher level of consciousness and God is our father, it's not possible for us to rebel. At best, we could have maybe made an accidental mistake. That's why we say Chatanu. When it comes, however, to Malkenu, which means a much lower awareness and consciousness, then it's possible even to forget, to, to rebel against God. Okay? means intentional. So now he explained why Shmuel was upset that they asked for a king. But in the end, he did appoint a king. And not only that, but it is a commandment that we should have a king. So how does it work? Since even after this, God commanded that he should anoint the king. Since obviously there are at least many of them that are in this level, because the very fact that they're asking it is a sign that they need it. They need bitulayash, meaning he David Melech was now appointed. To be, to have the crown, the keser malucha, the, the crown of kingship, zu, me'ad, forever. O pirish mitzvah zu, and what is the pirish, the explanation of this mitzvah? Shenishmoir ha-malucha l'zeradavit. That it's our job to make sure, to watch, and to observe, and to... Um, the, the kingship has to remain in the descendants of David. I am Bechinoch, look in the Bechinoch. In other words, we're not allowed to appoint kings from other, from other tribes. We have to keep the kingship in David Amelech's dynasty. Why did King David become the eternal king of the Jewish people? He was the one who was the old, he is the chariot to the attribute of Malchus more than anybody else. The Nikra Regel Revi, he is called the fourth leg 
of the chariot. It says that Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov make up the three legs, or the, or the three of, the, of, of God's the legs. In a chariot, you don't really have legs. Yeah, I guess if the horse, then the horse has four legs. If it's the carriage, it's the four wheels of the carriage. So you got Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and David is the fourth. What does it represent? Chesed, Gevura, Teferes, kindness, severity, and beauty, which are the three main emotional attributes. The fourth one, which is Malchus. David HaMelech is the main, he is the, his neshama was the embodiment of the Shekhinah, which is the attribute of Malchus. Va'alkein, and therefore, Chais Mimboy, Magin David. We, we conclude he shields David. And the explanation of this matter. So we first have to preface that the quality of David HaMelech, the Indian of Malchusay, by the way, this answers a very, very, very good question. Why, for the first couple of hundred years after the Jewish people received the Torah, they came into the land, there was a whole period called there was the judges of the Jewish people, there was no king. It was only in the days of Shalom Melech where kingdom began, which is quite a serious, a serious amount of time. I think it's one of the mitzvahs. They should have done it immediately. Why were they waiting so long? And the answer is, you know, the, the, it took a few generations where they can even relate to God in the manner in which you have a king, medium kind of a thing where the people can be bottled to a Melech. Before that, they were beyond it. The people generally were on that level that they had and didn't need it. But anyway. But now he's saying, he's going to question is, why King David? What's the Milo of David HaMelech? The quality of David HaMelech in his, in his level, in his kingship over the Jewish people. He was much higher in, le- in level of king than all other kings. That came after him. Mizari from his children. Even though there were a whole dynasty that came after him, he was much higher than all of them. All the kings that were after him or followed him, the intention of them being kings was, like we said in the first chapter. In other words, their purpose of being a king was, as we said earlier, to have a people be surrendered to them and through them to God and also to, to, um, civilize, to civilize the people. And that was all the kings. David HaMelech had something else in his kingdom that no one else possessed. Shebehem val yodom, which in them and through them are Yisrael and Betelem Hashem. Everybody is surrendered to God. This power of the king to keep everybody in check and to get everybody to surrender to him, that is the most nether part of being a king of the kingship, of the quality of kingship. It's the tail end of it. That's not the entire quality of King David. That's the quality of the kings that came after him, even Shlomo, as we're going to see soon. David had a whole much greater mile, a higher quality. In the Indian of his kingship. What was that quality? So we know there was a woman who came from Tekua. And uh, they brought her because they needed to have, to have her speak to the king on this, because of a certain thing. They looked for a very wise woman. And they said wisdom comes from oil, 
So they went to the place in the land of Israel where oil, where the, where the olive groves were. And from there they found this woman that was known as a Chakmanis, a real wise woman, and they brought it to King David. She says to David HaMelech, Va'adoyni chacham, my master is wise, kechachmas malach elokim, like the wisdom of a divine angel. Da'ainu, what does that mean? Pchinas hachachmas When she said malach elokim, she doesn't mean an angel. She means the attribute of malchus, the shechinah. Your wisdom is reflecting the wisdom of the shechinah. The chachma, the wisdom of the of the. Now, in general, let me just make a little. There are ten sefirot. The last of the ten attributes is called God's attribute of kingship. Each attribute, however, as we learn many times in these classes, each attribute is a composite of many, many of all the other attributes. All of them. So, in let's say Chesed, there is the chachma of Chesed, the wisdom of Chesed, the bina of Chesed. The chesed of chesed, the gevura, the... Right? So in Malchus, in the attribute of kingship, there is also the what? In the attribute of kingship, there is also what? Um, there is also the, um, uh, the all the other ones, including chachma. Chachma sheba Malchus. That's the wisdom of the of Malchus. And, and David HaMelech, when he was king... He embodied and he encompassed within himself the entire Sphira Samalchus descended into him, including the Chachma Sheba Malchus, was, was, was imbued in his Chachma. So when he had wisdom, it was godly wisdom. It was God's wisdom as God's attribute of kingship is filled with Chachma, which means intelligent ruling. Divine, godly intelligence. And David HaMelech was the most intelligent king in his ruling. Now Shlomo HaMelech was even superior to David in intelligence. But here is where you're going to make a very interesting distinction. Shlomo HaMelech was in, wiser than David HaMelech in, in personal, individual chachma, in philosophy. In, you know, in, in his own personal understanding. But in his kingship, Shlomo Melech was not a wise ruler like David Melech was wise in his rulership. He's a difference. Even though the story, it's interesting, you'll ask the question. The story right at the beginning proves how he was able to be show fate with such wisdom. That, 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 I don't have an answer for that. But as he's explaining over here, the Indian of David Melech's Chachma was Chachma Sheba Malchus. As a in other words, let's, let's read it inside. Shemaimed malchusay b'chachma. He establishes his malchus, his kingdom, with wisdom. Kamashakasav, like it says, Vayikacheyu memichla oisayin, that Hashem took him from the flocks of sheep, lirois b'yakov amoy, to, to, to uh, shepherd Yaakov, his people. Shekamoy haroya, just like a shepherd. Menahal edroy. He leads his flock. Umanhigam, and he leads them b'ashgacha pratis with a specific providence and a specific care, I'll call kifsa the kifsa, over every single lamb, over every single sheep, a shepherd is involved with each one individually. That it should graze in, and, and it, should, it should pasture, in good pasture. 
And a really good shepherd knows his flock. He'll tell you, oh, that's Sally and whatever. They're, you know, they do so and so. And these two sheep, they do whatever. And he knows exactly what each one does. And he knows how, you know, what's good for their diet, how they, you know, what they need. So to King David, this is so great. He was the, he was the quintessential leader. He led his people, and he oversaw everything, to give them all that they needed, spiritually and physically. He was so in tune with every one of his subjects, and he knew exactly what they need spiritually and what they also need materially. To every individual soul of his people. It says so in the Pasuk. There isn't a matter that the king did not know about. Nothing was removed from him. He was so engaged, so involved, so present in his kingship, in their lives. And he also warned them, he inspired them and warned them for the fulfillment of mitzvahs. And he fought for the righteous. And so too physically. Amcha Yisrael Tzarichim Parnasa. It says every day the people would come to King David and they would say, they would say the people need Parnasa. She'ena koimetz masbia, because the Mishnah says and the Gemara says Masechtes Brachas that she'ena koimetz the amount that fits into the palm, which is koimetz, which is a fist, a fistful, does not masbia sari, is not satiate the lion. As you feed a lion with a little, you know, a little piece of steak, it's not enough for him. He needs a big cow. So to the Jewish people, they would come tell David Melech, and they can't suffice with the little bit parnasa they need. And David Melech would give them an answer. He would say, go plunder. <laughs> so how do you explain that today? But this is what it would be. Go get yourself some, uh, right? and he would send out, and he would, uh, he would uh, take care. But what is the idea? Now the wisdom in the attribute of Malchus David Amelech had this intelligence in his, in his reigning, in his kingship. Which isn't the case in all the kings that are after him. Even though they were righteous people, they were very wise. Because by Shlomo it says, He was wiser than anybody. No one else was wise. And so to Chizkiyo Amelech, Shaloi Hoya Ha'aretya, but he says, explains, Shaloi Hoya Ha'aretz Chachma Mamamayla Meir Behem, because by them the radiance of Chachma from above was not shining in them, Le'inyan Hanhagas Malchusam, to conduct their kingdom, Alderachanal Bedavid, like by David, Vagan Shahoya Chachamim, and even though they were wise, Hainu Benitzitz Aprati Shalahem. This was in their own individual spark, in meaning in their own pursuit of knowledge, they were very, very wise. Which in their, the Chachma were shining in their individual Indian, but not in their role as king. Meaning in what sense? To understand, to have great understanding in Torah, and also in all the other sciences. But in their king, in their rulership, and in their, 
kingship, and that that they were kings, on the people, in this by them, Chachma was not shining, in the same way, like it, like it was by David. Ella be David, only by David. Because David was a general soul, which means his neshama encompassed all the souls of Israel. And therefore, when he had wisdom in his neshama, it was a wisdom to relate to every single neshama, to every single person. Which isn't the case in all the other kings. The inyan of their kingship was not in the manner in which it says earlier in the first chapter. No, it was not Ella only, in other words, its entire function was what we learned in the first chapter. In other words, by King David, he was the quintessential leader in the sense that he literally provided for every Jew that which they need spiritually and physically. When once David and Melech died, they had kings who generally had took care of their people. That's of course. I mean, at least the the, the righteous ones, there were corrupt ones a lot. But at least the righteous ones took care of their people. But it was a general taking care of the people. It wasn't that individual intention and the ability to know exactly what each single person needs. They ruled the masses. They didn't rule the individuals. For who batalakus and David Amelech and by a regular king, they were bottled to people were bottled to them, and they were bottled to Hashem. They only had the malchus of malchus. Malchus is an entire structure. So David Melech embodied the entire malchus inside of him. They embodied only the malchus sheba malchus, which means the practical element of kingship, the rulership, but not all the higher parts. Now, even though they had other sephiros in them as well, like every neshama has it, but that was their private thing. That was not their kingship. David HaMelech was king from head to toe. Everything in him was king. His moichin was king. His entire being. Okay. So to understand this inyan in Malchus David, that he also had chachma in his kingdom, in a Yuvam, we'll understand this. Al Hagdama will first preface another Hagdama, another introduction. Havin Maimar result, understand what the sages say. It says that David was not supposed to have any life. And Adamarishan donated, contributed to David Amelech 70 years. It says when Adamarishan was laying on the ground before, still as a piece of clay, before he opened his eyes kind of to be a, a, a living human being, Hashem played in front of him the, the, the all of humanity and the entire, un, the, the complete story of all of history. Un, he saw it. He saw every generation and he saw their leaders. Suddenly he came to the, to the generation of, of David HaMelech and he saw a leaderless generation because he saw the, the leader was a little tiny infant. And he saw that the infant was meant to die like right away. He was going to be born, stillborn. And that was King David. When he saw that, he donated to that king 70 years of his life. When Hashem showed him every generation and its, and its leaders. David, and he saw David, that David was a, not, supposed to be a, not supposed to live. 
And that's why Adam Arishon, Adam lived, was lost 70 years of his life. From his years. He was really supposed to live a thousand years after the sin. Because God said, the day you will eat, you will die. And God could have punished him in a manner in which he would die that day. But God said, you know what, I'm going to count the day like one of my days. And by God, it says that a thousand years is one day. So he gave him a, a, a day to live, which is on Hashem's scale of day, which is a thousand years. So, so Adam was supposed to live a thousand years, but in the end, you look in the Torah in Bereshit, it says he only lived to 930 years. The 70 years he gave to David. That's what, that's where you take it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's why David Melech must have said it. And Zohar Pashas Vayishlach says, Now the Zohar says that also the, the forefathers, the patriarchs, also gave him 70 years. How? The Zohar makes a calculation like this Avram gave him five years. Why? Because the total amount of years that Avram lived was 175. Now Yitzchak, his son, lived to 180. So if Yitzchak lived to 180, we say that David was that Avram was also supposed to live to 180. Why did Avram die five years younger? So Rashi says because Hashem took him early, so you shouldn't see Esav being going and becoming wicked. But the Zohar says that he gave from five of, or it can. That he donated those five years to, to David. The truth is not a contradiction. I mean, Hashem took away from him five years, but it's his five years. He has it. Hashem wanted to make it better for him not to see. He shouldn't see his wicked grandson, and he have such. And he should live in such pain. So what did Hashem do? The um, You're supposed to live 180 years. Also, but, but Hashem gave it. So I mean, Hashem said to him, "Who do you want to do? Give this to." He said, "I'll give it to David." And then he lived 175. Lacking five. Okay, now the next one. So that's five. Yaakov, the grandson, was supposed to live the same like Avram, 175. I don't know why they say that, the Zohar. Once we established that Avram and Yitzchak were supposed to live to 180, so why don't we say the same thing about Yaakov, that he was supposed to live to 180, but... I guess once Avram set at 175, Yaakov as well was supposed to live to 175. In the end, he lives only to 147. 28 years before, prior to 175. 147. Not 37, 147. Shnein Tamnin Ve'esrin, lacking 28 from 175. What did he do with these 28 years? He donated it to David. So, so far we have 33 years. Five from Avram, 28 from Yosef. Now, Yosef, this guy in May of the Esershnin, Yosef, who lived 110, was supposed to live like his father, 147. So that gives, he was lacking 147, he lived 137, 37 years. 
Have a little skyma kuf mem zai in hundred forty seven shin ki yakov like missing thirty seven. Hashavin So he gave these um uh these um these are the years that he gave to David Amelech. Leskaima Bahain. So now if you have thirty-three plus thirty-seven, seventy. And that's how David Amelech lived for seventy years. He got it, he pieced it together from Avram, Yaakov, and Yosef. Soon he's gonna explain why Yitzchak didn't contribute. We'll soon see why. Anyways, but now he asked the question, why does he need then two times 70 years? He gets 70 from Adam, and then he gets another 70 from Avram, Yaakov, and Yosef. And if he gets two times 70, then why doesn't he live 140? Because he's learning that it's not an argument between the Zohar and, and the Gemara. He's learning that, it's, that, they're, that, they're bo- that they're both are true. That he received his years from both, from Adam and from the others. From the others. So but why does he need double then? And if, and if he does... Then he should have lived 140, two times 70. Because they lost it. They lost Mechaye Adam from the life of Adam, the others, and the others. So this is going to explain. It's a fascinating explanation. Bechlal is going to explain in an unbelievable way what is the significance of what does it mean? What's the content of Adam giving, giving him 70? And why each number? Why Avram 5? Why. Yaakov 28, why Yosef 37. But first he has to explain why David doesn't have any life. Let's first begin with that. He, he, he's, on the one hand, he's, he's, he's like, he's supposed to be, but he doesn't have any life. If he, if he wasn't supposed to live, then why does he see him? And why, like, it's like, he's the leader, but he doesn't live. So how does that work? So what's going on over here? So he explains, We first have to understand when we're saying that Adam has a vision of what's happening, it's not really that he's, he's having a vision of what's happening later. He's seeing himself because he is the soul that encompasses all souls. So he really, he's, the, he's that nucleus that contains within himself all He's, he's all of, of history and all of humanity in a microcosm, is Adam Arish. And therefore, before he wakes up, he sees himself with all the details and everything emerging, coming from him, which is him. That means that in this vision that he has, he's seeing humanity as it is included in his existence. Not humanity as it is projected out, but as they are a part of him. Who is he? He is a, the seed of, of creation. He's the seed of existence. He's the seed of humanity. What, what's, the, what, what's the whole purpose of creation? Is the human being. That's the whole soul of creation. The soul of creation is the human. So if Adam Arishan contains all souls, all human beings, so he is the seed of creation. The purpose of creation, the seed of creation. So he is like, similar, the first flash of an idea that God has, I'm going to have a creation, I'm going to have a world. 
That flash is called chachma. Like a person gets an idea, a flash, an epiphany. Let's do this project. So you have like an idea. Oh, wow. Adamarish's soul is that first epiphany of humanity, all of humanity. In that state of chachma, he's going to explain David HaMelech, which is all about speech. David HaMelech is Malchus, and Malchus is all about expression. In that state, there is no expression. Because expression is, is, is this, this state is so, still so inward that expression can't exist yet. You need to go away from this state in order to be able to express. As long as the chachma is there, it says, Syag la chachma shtika. The, the fence of Chachma is silence. In order to have, when a person has that moment of epiphany, they're quiet. And it comes when you're, most people who are creative, they need silence. They need to be, no sounds, no noise, just, and then boom. Right? So the Chachma needs silence. Adam, David Amelech, which is all about speech and expression, doesn't exist, as he's going to explain soon, in Adam's Neshama because he's battle. He's lost inside his neshama. He doesn't have an identifiable beingness in Adam's neshama. Like, he's going to give the example, like um, when someone is deep in thought and thinking, as we see soon, even though there are words, obviously, every, every word and every sentence that has content was once in Chachma. Obviously, the Chachma contains all the words that eventually will be written in the book that will give that will that will that will convey this 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 new idea this 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 philosophy or the science, but that's only later. That's when it gets into the bina. That's when you start getting words. But in the chachma, it's just an idea, and in chachma there is silence. So that's why he explains over here ki ki. Um, he is the supernal chachma of the world of Atsilas. He's the level of wisdom, which is an unknowable wisdom. And it's such lofty wisdom that it doesn't even have the ability for it to become wisdom of the lower world, of Bria, Tzir, and Meaning, even. A little bit. Um, I mean a little bit in temperature, not a little bit moving it a little bit, because you move it a little bit, it's totally off. It's a little bit in temperature. Okay. So when it says that he was wise... The Chachmi love Atzilus. He's saying it's a, what type of Chachma is it? It's God's essential wisdom, and God's essential wisdom is infinitely higher than the intelligence of creation. When I say intelligence of creation, it means two things: the intelligence that the creations have. We all understand that that our intelligence is nothing to the intelligence of Hashem, but even more so even the intelligence of God as it is related to the creation. Because the creation is finite, and therefore the entire intelligence for the creation is considered a very immature intelligence and compares to God's essential intelligence. 
put his 70 years in over there. Because we said earlier, everybody is, everybody is, yeah, he's directing his energy into that, into that. Because he is really living eventually throughout all of, all of existence. He's living through us. But when at least at that point, he was putting it, he was directing it into a, yeah, that's true. But in any case, back to what we're saying over here, Hashem's essential wisdom is beyond the wisdom of even conducting the world. And just to understand this a little better, it, let's understand this a little better. It says when, when God spoke the ten utterances, the Zohar says that the ten utterances that God spoke are considered, the ten utterances that Hashem spoke are considered words of a simpleton. They're words of like a commoner, not a word of an aristocrat, not a word, definitely not of a king. And it's not the style of the king to speak such silly words. The Zohar says that when God created, God was being silly. Un, un, insophistic, unsophisticated. So that shows you that all of creation, from God's perspective, is very, 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 yeah, elementary thing, very crude kind of a thing. And therefore the wisdom that is in it is like not befitting. Like if you'd say Albert Einstein, you know, his wisdom, wow, his intelligence. And what happens if people got stuck in a, in a, in a room and they, the lock broke? And uh, he takes a look and he's looking and looking and looking and he figures out exactly what, how they should fix the lock or get out of the lock. So even though it's, it was brilliant how he figured that out, but is that the brilliance of Albert Einstein that he can figure out how to fix it? You don't need Albert Einstein for that. And even though it was quite brilliant, that's not, not in this lies his chachma, even though he could have figured this out. Right? And the same is with the Abishter. And with Adam Arishan's... Now Adam, Adam's wisdom that he had was the personification. I mean, his wisdom was so vast. It was God's wisdom on a godly scale, not as the intelligence of creation. Therefore, King David, who's all about leading the creation, all about Hanhagasa Olomos, because he's Malchus, he's conducting the affairs of the world, is a nobody in Adam Arishon's scale of existence. David Amelech is a nobody. Because David Amelech is all about the silly world of, of creation. And, and, and Adam Arishon is way beyond the creation. Way higher than the creation. As he's living his life, he's exploring the secrets of the secrets of the secrets of existence that lay far, far, far beyond the universe. Light years away beyond the universe. And that's where his occupation is. And then there is the universe. And then there is the intelligent being who's David who is going to rule the world, so to speak. It doesn't have any significance. So let's read over here. And that's why David HaMelech was, as we said earlier, a Nephel, still stillborn. Because David HaMelech's source, who is Devar Hashem. David HaMelech is from that, is from that, from those words of a simpleton. The Ruach Piv, it's Hashem being engaged in uh, the breath of Hashem's mouth. That sustains and enlivens the world. 
Vehine had dibur The dibur was nullified in the chachma. Now, obviously, like this, if this is the, if this is God's chachma, getting it? Eventually, from the chachma is going to come dibur. The dibur has to be there. But as we said before, it's not noticed over here. It doesn't have an identifiable presence because it's lost in the deeper chachma. Derech Marshall, he gives an example. When a person is tarud, is preoccupied with deep chachma, a person can't speak. When you're deeply in, involved in a, in, in a chachma, you can't speak then. You can't influence to someone else because you're so immersed in deep understanding. And therefore, since David's neshama comes from divine speech, he was he didn't have life. Because he was lost in Adam Arishan's neshama, which is the supernal wisdom. Now, how can David Amelech emerge to an identifiable state from his unidentifiable submersion in, in, in Adam's neshama? He is deeply submerged in Adam's neshama. Now he has to emerge as an entity that, it, that has presence of his own. Oh, so in order for that to happen. This is, this is so, so, so gewaldig. What happens is like this. <laughs> he gives a very interesting example. He says, but first let me say the first let me give the formula. He says, in order for in order for chachma, in order for chachma to project the dibor, to emf, to speak, in other words, in order to get this wise man to say something, because he's so deep in his wisdom, in order for him to speak something. So there's two ways of doing it. Number one, diminishes, let the idea calm down. Let his wisdom be, like diminish. And then eventually, you know, as, the, as this powerful idea like, kind of settles, he will maybe speak about it. That's one way. But there's another way. And that's the opposite. Increases wisdom powerfully. Give him a... Give him a... a, a, a real influx cause a real expansion of mind and there's such mind-blowing ideas that enters into his into his into his brain that at this because it's now bursting literally his mind is bursting he has to let it, let so to speak let off some steam he has to say something to somebody because he can't contain all this energy inside that's what happened to Adam Arishan at that time in order for him to talk there was an influx, as his words are, there was a hamshacha, a powerful deliverance of light from keser into chachma. Keser is the crown. It's much higher than a wisdom, like a crown sits on top of the head. Keser imbued, in, in, in enlivened, invigorated, in, 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 or channeled light into, into Adam, who is chachma. And when that extra light came into chachma, it spilled over the vessel. Like, right? Like a cup that's full. If it's just full to the top, maybe you will be afraid to move it because it's going to spill. So either you let it go down a little bit and then you can pour. Or another way to get it to, to, to pour is you fill up even more and it spills over. And then it will come. 
So that's what happened to Adam Arishon. As he explains, um, Chachma was in, inspired with greater light from Keser. Because of the added light that now spilled into Chachma, he couldn't contain it anymore. And he had to say something. Now this is one of the best marshals I've ever seen in Hasidus. Why? Because only a Rebbe can say this. You speak from experience. Like by a person, when a person gets suddenly a, a, a new, new seichel, that, you, that a, a Rosh Hashiva can also have in others, Pisaim. Ah, I like the next line. Pisaim ayadei Ruach HaKodesh. Through an, a, a sudden experience of Ruach HaKodesh, which is divine inspiration, there is suddenly a powerful infusion of the ideas that come gushing, that come gushing into the, into the, um, into the mind of... Um, then he can't contain himself and to wrap it all inside of himself he's forced he must reveal to someone else something he must say something through this he will calm down he has to pick up the phone and talk to someone something he has to say and these are the 70 years that Adam Arishan gave to David. This is the overspill which forced this private chachma outward into speech, that the speech should emanate and come out. Why 70 years? What he's giving him is the excitement of the chachma. What's spilling over? There is chachma, great wisdom. But as the wisdom is increasing, there is what's called the midais of chachma. In Chachma itself, there is the Chesed of Chachma, there is the Gevura of Chachma, the Teferis of Chachma. These are the Midas. This is the excitement of the mind. You see, as long as there's no excitement, things are contained. But when things start bubbling, it's like, like when you have a flash of an idea. There's two parts to it. There is the idea, there is the comprehension, and then there is the tingling of the brain, the tingling of the mind, the excitement, like, wow! And, and that's what makes you want to talk. So the overspill comes from the midas of Chachma. There are seven midas in Chachma. That's what Adam Arishon is channeling to King David. That's why he gives him 70 years. Because seven midot, each midah includes 10. Each midah is 10. So it's 70. So those are the 70 years. It's basically 70, 70 projections of intelligence. Seven, 70 flow of intelligence to David HaMelech. But the main thing is that this intelligence should be verbalized, should come into verbalization. And David HaMelech is all about verbalizing God in this world. Right? Giving Hashem a, a mouth in this world. Um, yeah, to heal him. Um, and that's how the Chachma goes into Dibor. Because let's also see another thing. When you study something, you, let's say you go to a class, and it's very, very, very great ideas. It's quite intelligent. But it's extremely, extremely boring. 
but it's but it's just a class that you need to take. And there is there is there is the teacher is intelligent, and they're giving over intel, intelligent stuff. But it's it's uh, it's just extremely boring. You're not going to tell anybody about it, so you don't talk. But when the when, when the when what is being taught is exciting you, and there is excitement, excitement the midoyz shebes seichel, the excitement of the seichel, that's what causes dibur. Dibur requires midoyz. Without midoyz, chachma remains very private. Intelligence remains for itself. For it to talk, for it to express, it's the excitement that comes. That's why Adam Arishon, who generally was silent, Chachma, he was Shtika, he speaks, which means he gives, he channels to David through the 70, which are the seven Midas. V'zehu Sha'amar, hear this. That's why David HaMelech says, Allah V'ashalim, he says, hear this, it's Gavaldi. It says in the Pasuk in Tehillim, Aroimimcha Hashem, I will exalt you, God, because you have raised me up. That's a simple meaning. I'm, gonna, I'm going to praise you, God, because you've elevated me. What is the deeper meaning? How did I come into existence? My soul, because the Yudke Vavke, which is God's name, was elevated into Keser. Keser is called Roim. Aromimcha means exalted, high. Keser, the crown, is the level of God that's called high, high, because Keser is infinite. It's above the Sephirot. It's infinite. It's endless. So David is saying like this, if not for Aromimcha, if not for the Keser infusion in David, I wouldn't exist. In, in, in Adam, in Adam, I wouldn't exist. The only way I can exist is because Aromimcha Hashem, because of the exalted state of Yudke Vavke, as it was elevated, being, being infused with a brilliant infusion of, of Keser light, that's what drew me out. The word Dilisani is from the word to draw, to draw water out from a pitcher. That's what drew my soul out from its bittel. My neshama was lost in non-existence. My, there was no, no ability to speak me that the David HaMelech should exist as the voice of God in this world because he was lost in something higher. Now Dilisani. So, Pirish al Yod al Yadei Shanimshach Mepchenas Ari Mimcha, Shuhu Keser, which is Keser, Bahavaya in Havaya, Shuhu Chachma. Havaya is in Chachma, because it says in the Pasuk, Havaya Bechachma. Yud, we know specially, is Chachma. Al Yadei Zeh, through this, Ki Dilisani, you have drawn me out. Ratzaloimar Shedola Dola Es Hadibur, he drew the speech, Lava Yala Gilui, to come to a revealed state. Mehalamai from its concealment bechachma in chachma. Ah, hine in yinam shachas achachma ma'adam arishon le'david. Okay, so now we understand why David Amelch gets life from Adam. That means he needs to first even, you know, manage to come onto the radar. Before that, he's not even on the radar. Adam arishon, you know, puts him, put, puts David Amelch onto the screen. But now, but there's a problem still. Because what, David, what Adam is giving him is his intelligence. What did we say, some, what did we say about Adam Arishan's intelligence? We said that his intelligence is, is God's, he's the personification, he's, he's containing, he's a markava to Chachma to, to the wisdom of the world of Atzilus, which is the wisdom 
That's much higher than the wisdom of conducting the... It's the wisdom of Einstein's wisdom, of theory of relativity. It's not the wisdom of fixing a lock. But David HaMelech is a ruler. He has to fix many locks. He has to, he has to, he has to be a lock. He has to find the key to everybody. So he needs that kind of, a, of knowledge. He needs practical knowledge, not abstract, deep, uh, you know, uh, philosophical. Thing. He needs the ability to rule. So as he says, It's not no geya to the midas. It's not the chachma, which you say is no geya, which is no geya to, to midos. Midos means to conduct to the... Right, to the There's another type of a chachma. Which is the chachma of the midot. How to conduct the affairs of the of, of the king? The right you need to have an intelligence to know the right demeanor you should have as a king. When to show kindness and benevolence, and when to pull back and be tough. That's an art. Even as a parent, it's an art to know exactly. You know, sometimes just being kind at the wrong moments. You. God forbid you spoil your children. Being too tough at your children, you know, at the wrong moments, and you ruin the relationship. So there's like, it's a very, you know, it's, it needs, it's a very fine balance. And there's a certain wisdom to that. There is an intelligence to that. That's the intelligence of psychology. And to know how and what and when, how to, how, how to be, right? like it says, especially a king needs that. He needs the perfect ability, right? Melech b'mishpat yamid aretz. On the one hand, to be melech b'mishpat kanal binyan David, shuhu b'chshahaya b'chenes chachma b'malchusay. David the Melech, as we said earlier, more than any other king, had this perfect chachma in his in his kingdom. V'hu zeh v'gam kein tzarech liyasam shachas. Now, in addition to that, in addition to the wisdom that he needs in order to to run the country, he also needs to have David the Melech is. Speech. Malchus is speech. That's how the king rules with speech. But then there is what's the soul of the speech. So you need to have the midos, what's driving the speech. So the, 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 the speech has to have content. What's the content? The content is the midos. It's either kindness, severity. Before we spoke about the chachma to control the kindness. But then you need the kindness itself. David HaMelech is just empty speech. Where is, he, where is he getting a kind heart? As a king, he had to be a very kind, to be a loving king, which means he had to have enormous amount of care and empathy with every one of his subjects. So he had to be very kind. So he has to, he has to plug into Avram Avinu. So that's what Avram Avinu was plugging into. This is all based on one idea. The David is Malchus, and Malchus doesn't have anything on its own. It's empty. It's speech. Just like speech is just empty letters. Depends what the content. What speech? Speech is a bunch of letters in the alphabet. Take the ABC. The ABC is dry letters. Now, if you, you, you put it together to form words, and, and, and the content that you put into those words, they can be the most brilliant words, or they can be just absolute stupidity and vulgarity. And these words can be filled the ABC, you can create words that are the most loving, powerful, moving poetry of love, of affection, of the most the nicest thing of hum- that, that human humanity has to offer. And then it can be absolute cruelty 
words that are hurtful, that are painful, that are stinging, that are brutal. Right? So the words. So what are you putting into the words? So now Avram Avinu is going to put into David Amelech kindness. So the it needs the kindness and the attribute of it. Like it says by David, the kindness of David that was very, very faithful. And it says another Pasuk in Shmuel Amoy. David HaMelech was always doing kindness to his people. His kingdom was it was founded on the nature of kindness. To influence his people. And this is why Avram, Avram Avinu, the champion of kindness, he gives David HaMelech five years. Why five? Because we know Kabbalistically there is a concept called Hei Chasadim, the five powers of kindness, which are the five fingers of the right hand. The right hand is kindness. The, five, the right hand has five fingers. So the five fingers are the five Chasadim. Why are they called five? What is the five? We know there are five main sefirot, emotional sefirot. Chesed, Gevura, Teferes, Netzach, Hod. Yesod and Malchus are no, aren't essential sefiros. Yesod and Malchus are all about already hashpa, giving. Yesod and Malchus is already not emotion, it's more about communication. Yesod is the connection, and Malchus is speech, to give. But the actual feeling that you're, you're feeling, you're, these are chesed, gevurah, teferes, netzach. Now each one of these, chesed, gevurah, teferes, netzach, and hod, all five, each one of them have within themselves a chesed element. So there is chesed, shebe chesed, the chesed of chesed. There is chesed, shebe gevurah. There is chesed, shebe teferes. And there is chesed, shebe hoid, shebe netzach, and chesed, shebe there is a chesed element in each of the five sefirot. That's what it means, five chasadim. And being that Avram Avinu is the chesed, is the, is, the, is the fountain of chesed, he is the faucet of chesed, so therefore he is the one who gives the five chasadim to David HaMelech. Okay. Hey chasadim. Ki Avram was a kind man. He used to take in guests. And he would give them to eat. And he would give them to drink. Okay. So now we understand why Adam has to give him life. Why, why, David has to, why Avram has to give him life. But now he's going to ask just a simple question. We need to still understand since what they are really giving are spiritual powers they're all giving of their quality Adam is giving Chachma David HaMelech is giving Midos Chesed but they're spiritual they're not giving something physical why were they lacking by them because they gave it to him why were they lacking that number of years Bimakar in the source, Shemesham Nemshuchu, from there it was drawn. Atki Adamarishan Chai Pachas Me'elef. Adamarishan was lacking 70 years, he would have lived to a thousand. Ayin Shan, Avachim Bavram, by Avram, Kanal. He's asking like this Physicality 
if I give something physical to you, if I give you this cup, then I don't have it anymore. I can't give it to you. But in spirituality, it's not the way. If I share with you an idea, if I teach you something, that means I don't have it anymore, or I'm sorry. And someone will ask me, oh, what does it say in the mind? I say, I have no idea. I just gave it to everybody yesterday. I don't have it. That's ridiculous. Just because you share a concept, you don't lose it by sharing it. And even physically, things that are within the physical world that are closer to the spirit also have that quality. That even when you give, it doesn't lose. For example, fire. Fire is of the most refined elements of the physical. And therefore, fire, if I, give, if I light up a cigarette one to another or a match to another, I light a candle, I'm not losing any of the fire. Like Rashi says in, in by Moshe Rabbeinu, that when, Mo, when Moshe shared his, his prophecy and his, his, his light with the Iskenim, Rashi said, what was Moshe compared to at that time? Like a lamp that's sitting high up, and everybody goes and lights their candles from him. And he didn't lose anything. So if that's the case, the question over here is, um, how is it that because they gave of their, of their light and of their thing to to David HaMelech that they lost it if someone lights from a candle to a candle that doesn't weaken or even or definitely not doesn't make it lose in the first light the idea is and he gives a very amazing answer because this life channeling of life from Adam the Avais into David this transition, transmission rather, is a manner in which they have to channel something very, very, very far at a very great distance from where they are. It's not at all a, like some kind of a measured descent. Why? And in his bar we said earlier, David represents the godly spark that's the soul of creation. David is the Shekhinah. Shekhinah means it's the power of the world. It's Shochin within the world. Divine power that is, imminent, that is imminent in creation, that is present in creation. All the other ones, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Ad, Yosef, as we're going to see, um, and including also Adam um, Arishon, uh, their godliness that they were tapped into is godliness that is infinitely higher than creation. The creation, all the worlds and all of creation means absolutely zero to the transcendental light that's above it. And therefore... The distance that they have, when they have to transmit, they have to direct their energy to such a great distance that when you're going such a far away, you can't give it from your place and project to the distance. You have to actually pick it up, take it away from where it is, and bring it over there. Like he brings, like, you know, I can shine a light and across a room from here to there, but if I want to shine in the cellar, I have to take the entire lantern and go take it down to the cellar because it's like in a whole different dimension. And therefore, this kind of a dimension, precisely because it was to David, who David is the godly dimension that's the master of the universe and relates to a finite universe, it's taking it from a place that is so much higher, it needs to go away from its source in order to come to where it needs to be. And he's going to explain that. 
as he says, um, Sha and it says Bay. What does it say by David? Nothing was kept back from the king. The king's observe watching over is on all the details of man. from his people. There is nothing held back from him. It's descent, the descent of the kingship of God. In the world, to enliven and to sustain all the details of the world that are in the three lower worlds. There are thousands of malachim. And Hashem is busy, meticulously giving life from the level of David. He's giving life to every small little creature. According to its character and its nature. And also to oversee with a particular providence and all their actions. And to know every thought of every creature. And all their scheming. And this is a very, very great descent and fall, so to speak. This is considered an incomparable descent to the lights of Atsilos that are so much greater. As they are in the world of emanation. Because over there everything is infinite. And therefore, when we meet to draw down from Atsilos, like we're saying now to draw down from Chachma, bimidas amalucha in the attribute of Malchus, shetiyah naga b'chachma, that you need a channel into Malchus. We said earlier that David the Melech was intelligent in his ruling, in his king. and also from the supernal midos canal, the kindness of Atzilus is infinitely higher than the kindness kindness that's manifesting in the universe. Ba'avram ba'avram. This is impossible. It can't shine forth from its place and from its essential state as it is in Atzilus. Magas It can't reach all the way there. Because they're very, very far apart. If a, any type of radiance of Atzilus will shine there, to shine in this level, the Malchus of Malchus La Nagis Oilam is Biyah to conduct the affairs of the world of Biyah. So we have to say for sure, Shuhu Mistalekes, it has to go away. The Yoitsas Mimakoyma, it has to leave its part, its place. We're turning over the page of 218. It needs to go completely away from its place. It shouldn't be found anymore in its source. In its first place, because it has already gone out into a distant place, skipping, like making a very big leap, a quantum leap. That's basically it. And it's not like the light of a candle. The light of a candle can stand in one place. Its light can, can shine forth. It can arrive to the whole house. When the place is kind of close, 
And above it's also that way. In the entire world of Atzilus, God's Chachma can shine all across Atzilus. The Chachma can be transmitted to Bina, from Bina to, to Chesed, to Dast, to, I mean to Chesed, to Gevura, it can go through all the levels. Shagam Keshiba Medes, even when it stands in its place, it's able to illuminate and to shine into the next level. But when they're very distant, its light will not shine from its place, meaning from its essential state. He means like this. Of course, we're not dealing with something physical, but it's like the example is that it, that it can't shine in, in the manner in which it is in its essence. I'll give an example to that. It's like a teacher that has students um, that um, are generally like of a high caliber students. So the teacher can take the subject and even though he has to broaden it and explain it, but he doesn't have to take it out from the world where it is in. He can basically teach the, the, the subject as is. But if the teacher is suddenly getting or going to teach a group of people, a group of students that have absolutely no clue, and they were completely in a different world. They don't even know, they're out, they, they, they know nothing about this thing. So, the whole subject matter is totally foreign to them. They have no clue. So then the, king, the teacher can't just diffuse their knowledge. They need to uproot it from where they are and take the knowledge and put it into something else. They give a marshal. They have to give a marshal an analogy of the world of the student. Oh. No, yeah, yeah. Oh, so it, it's not. It, oh. it is because the 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 this it's not the seichel. Of course, here's the thing. In the story with a marshal that like I'm giving over here, eventually, you know, the knowledge remains in their head. It's not like because I gave a marshal, I lost it. Adaraba, we know when you give a marshal, you'll understand it much better eventually, because the fact that you had to take it so low forces you to really to be able to give a marshal to go in. But I'm just saying mitzad, let's just look at the seichel itself, not at the bala seichel. But the seichel itself left its mamada yomatzava, its essential place of radiance, and it was relocated into a different, in different... In. That's because the rich... Oh, no. That's what, it's, that's what he's saying. The distance from the avais and... The, and and Adamarishan to David Amelech is different than the distance of Moshe to the to the uh, yeah no to the Zikanim. It's a difference. They're much lower than him, but they're not in this. It's not the difference of beligvul to gvul. That's the idea. When you're dealing with beligvul, means infinite and gvul and finite. The distance between infinite and finite is absolute and unbridgeable. And to bring it over here, it has to kind of like, and gay there. And that's the idea of it. Now how to exactly differentiate between Moshe and the Zikadim, I would have to, would have to investigate what the level, what the spiritual level of Moshe is, and what the spiritual level of the Zikadim were, 70 Zikadim, Kabbalistically, and then to see what the Madragas are. But he's dafke talking about Malchus, of Atsilus because it descends into the world, which compared to the Atsilus is nothing. Compared to the divine is zero. Um, 
The others. Yeah, no, because... to say no but when you're saying it in for example in, but, but, but if you understand it with Adam and wisdom the same thing can be understood with kindness you know it, it needs a total redefinition the kindness has to be completely redefined the kindness as it is in Atsilus and the kindness as it is in over here it's not it's, 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 it's like it's, it's, almost, it's not the same thing and that and the get kim kashe yazis viyaver atzmoya elyem imakaymoi. The one above has to move himself away from where he is. El atachtoin to the one below. Kaniskali el like we said before. Halazamazed doyma. What is it compared physically? Le oiraner to the light of a candle. Shem imakaymoi meirad eser amos that it can shine ten cubits from its place. Kisharoitzim sheigira oire b'makom arachik. When you needed to get the light for it to reach Esrim Amma, you needed to reach 20 feet further away. You have no choice but to go get the candle and move it over. To move it over over there. Which means you have to take it away from its physical place and bring it over there. The same is also above the Ba'atzilas. Ba'atzilas, Atzmoy. Own itself. It can be a radiance that is shining from a higher place. Nimshechas, it can shine ad b'chinas ayoyser tachtoyna to the place that's very low. That's why he gives ten amos because atzilus has ten spheres. So it's the ten amos in atzilus itself. It can shine through all the spheres. Hagamshu berichuk eser spheres, even though it's ten spheres away. Makoma kamerei kulam besug ve'erach ve'erach echad. They're all within the same category. The iu v'garmuhu chad. In general, they're all within the category that God is one with the spherot. God is one. It's all God. As opposed to already creation? It's like, what's that? That, that, that that's so insane in Natsilas that there's something that's not God. It's impossible. He's unified with them totally. That's why the Ma'ar doesn't have, the, 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 the luminator doesn't have anything lacking when he's illuminating his light. To the other, to that which is over there. Because he's really never going out of himself. But in order for the, the radiance to reach also into the three lower worlds, this is not possible to be. If it is shining from its place, its substance, and its essence of Atsilas. Because they're very distant from each other, with an incomparable gap. It has to descend from its place. It has to go ten levels down. It has to go away from Chachma down through the ten Sephiros. And it needs to enclose itself at the top of the world of Bria. Then it could expand and its light will reach in that world. And that's meaning it had to leave and depart from the higher world of emanation. 
and therefore Ashanim Shanasnu Adam Arishon Vaavis Ladavid Amelech. That's why the years that Adam Arishon that Adam gave to David, Nechzeru Mamish Mishnechayem, literally was lacking from the years of their life. Kihem Chenes Amshaches Oiris El Yoinim, because they are the drawing down of high lights. Bederach Yerid the Gedayla in a manner of a tremendous descent. Bediluga Erech Matilus Lebiya by leaping over from Matilus to Briyatzir and Asiya. And when they descend in they can't remain atzilostig and come down in biyah. The two don't in briyatzir and asiya because the two. They have to be lost. They have to be lack missing over there. And that's why when they gave their years to David, it's called a gift. Like it says, he asks for life. You have given it to him. When you're giving a gift, you don't have it anymore. The one who gives a gift. When he gave it to his friend, he doesn't have it anymore. Yitzchak didn't give anything to David. Um, Avram gave, Adam gave, Yaakov gives, Yosef gives. But not Yitzchak. Why not? Vadam, because he's full of, that's right, because Yitzchak is all about contractions. Yitzchak is din, judgment, and gvura. David HaMelech has got enough of, the, of his own. Because kingship has within itself a lot of rigidity. Kingship has a lot of the idea, putting boundaries on limitations. Quite on the contrary, if Yitzchak is going to contribute to David, then the rigidity of the king will be much too strong. And it will be like too, too tough. Who din? His level is judgment. And the dread of Isaac of Yitzchak was to me. He doesn't have to receive these dinim, these judgments. Because even without it, Malchus has dinim, as it says. The the, the 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 laws of the government are the laws. Like it says, Melech bemishpat yamet aritz. The king establishes his country based on his rules and his laws. Elishal Yitzchak upchenas based in elyon. Yitzchak is a higher, even a harsher form of judgment. Vinikradina kashia. It's called real tough judgment. Umalchus is based in atachtim. Malchus is a lower type of basin, which means it's not such intense judgments. The Nikradin and Rafia, it's called lighter judgments. The Imkain, that they ain't David Tzarech Lekabel Glal Me Yitzchak. David doesn't have to receive from Yitzchak. Shalo Yitoisvu Vizgadlu Hagvura Yisvahadinim. Because then, God forbid, the judgments are going to be too much. We always know that what we try to do in our mitzvahs all the time is we try to increase kindness over judgment. We want always the chesadim to be more dominant. The chesed, the kindness to be dominant over the judgments. The exact opposite we need to do. We have to add more chesed and that is from Avram. Now he's going to explain why Yaakov gave 28 years and why Yosef gave 37 years and what does all this mean. But it's a little bit much still to explain for tonight. So we're going to continue this next week. Hope everybody comes. Really fascinating, the end of the Mayimah, it's right below my mind.
the, and then we're going to understand in the end what's the content, 37. And then we're going to understand what's the content of Moshiach's kingdom. Oh, that's the question he asked. David lived only 70. So he, that's what he asked in the beginning, why we don't double. And it's interesting. Yes. So therefore, because it's interesting, he doesn't explicitly say the answer. But that's what you're seeing. because So David HaMelech, because Adam is giving him transcendental chachma, right? And the others are giving him practical chachma and practical hanhaga. So this is not, so what it turns into, yes, Yeah, but, but you see, here's the thing. Here's the thing, no. No, 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 but hold it. Yeah, but hold this one second. No, but for, for, for Avram, Yaakov, and, and Yosef, you do add that together to form 70. You don't say they're overlapping. They get, they get, they get that's right. And, but he, that's what I'm saying, because Adam Arush is giving something more abstract which is higher than Malchus. And in that sense, those years don't materialize in physical, physical life. He doesn't explicitly answer. That's interesting. It's not the style of the Tzemach Tzedek. When he asks a question, he usually will come back and say, and that is the reason why. Then here he sort of like leaves it that you figure it out on your own, which leaves for... Uh, in any case, in the end, he's going to discuss Mashiach, where Mashiach receives life. Because Mashiach is also Dibor's speech. And that's what we're going to see. We'll leave that for next week, yes.